You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels Podcast. This is our 13th episode of Season 3 for the episode Trials of the Dark Saber. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's happening, Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans? We're back. <laughs> We're a little late, but that's okay. We've got a great uh, yeah. great episode, I think, to, to talk about here. And a lot of people have been talking about this episode, Mike. And, yeah, for sure. And some other news that's going on. So uh, this, I guess you can consider this one of those uh, type of filler episodes. But, man, I tell you what, this one really delved into some some cool stuff. And, and, and I'll just leave it at that, and we'll get to a lot of it in the episode, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, before we do that, um, just a couple bits of news that came out uh, this week, Mike. So let's get to the mail. What message? The Rebels Podcast. Now that's a conjure club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. So, Mike, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, we got a title for Episode 8. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, the title for Star Wars <laughs> Episode 8 is uh, is The Last Jedi. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it that that works for me. You know? I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 this is one of my things, is that, like, the internet, obviously won't shut up um crazy (laughs) yeah and everybody everybody wants to talk ad nauseum about this stuff but um but in my opinion it's like there's nothing to talk about yet it's just the title and like everybody's like but who is the last jedi and did you know that jedi is also the plural of jedi so it could be referring to multiple jedi there's a mystery here to be solved and it's like no there's not the last jedi (laughs) is luke skywalker yeah. Yoda called I mean, him the last Jedi in Return of the Jedi. I, I was just going to bring that up. You're right. Yeah. And then the opening crawl to The Force Awakens referred to him specifically as the last Jedi. Good good catch. And yeah. then Snoke in The Force Awakens calls him the last Jedi. Yeah. So it's obvious. That's like the and and <laughs> Ryan Johnson said a couple months ago that like he's known the title of the movie since he signed on. 
And I would imagine that he got the title when he read the crawl for The Force Awakens. Like, when they brought him in, and they were like, here's the script for The Force Awakens, and he read The Last Jedi in that. He was like, oh, that'll be the title of my movie. Because the focus of this next movie (laughs) is obviously going to be on Luke Skywalker, where he's been, what he's been doing, all of that sort of stuff, right? So, Yeah, there's no secret there. Like you said, I, I immediately thought, okay, they're talking about Luke. Um, and you know what? I just, I just wonder now, like, I wonder if they already have the titles for all the movies, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of that. I don't know if like Ryan Johnson, they're like, Hey, it's your movie. You get to title it. Um, or they just like, here's the titles. And, and uh, like, I don't know if it's that big of a deal to, to name a movie, but in any event, uh, we got it. And we, of course we got, everybody's talking about the new font or the new uh, color on the font, the yeah. red, which yeah. is actually pretty cool. It looks like good. It looks good. And then everybody's like, but what could this possibly mean? It's like it, right. it, it means that they thought, like, let's switch it up and make it red in this one. And yeah. that it will probably be blue or green in the next one. Like, that's all that it means. It's People people are reading way too much into some of this stuff. Um, no, and, it, mean, it means they're going dark, Mike. You got to know. Gotta, yeah. It, oh, <laughs> that means that the tone of this movie is going to be so different from the other. I really don't think that there's that much going on here you know like i i i i think that it's it's a little bit more simple than uh than than people want to believe but um but people like we're in that season you know and and it, like th- this is going to happen every year now um yeah where every every year the the star wars movie is going to come out and by about the first or second week of january everybody's seen it five times and uh and and now it's like okay what what's what's next right Right. but lucasfilm is not ready to tell us about what's next so Mm -hmm. uh especially if star wars celebration continues to be in april right so this it's it's we're gonna do this every year every single year this is gonna happen where it's gonna be like like next year it's gonna be all about the han solo movie and it's gonna be like what's going on with the han solo movie um (laughs) and they're gonna release like some picture of the millennium falcon and everybody's gonna be like oh they released a picture of the millennium falcon but it's not flying in space it's flying in atmosphere what could that possibly mean does that mean that the millennium falcon never goes into space in the next movie and it's like um no it means they released a picture of the millennium falcon like it it just i don't know i i kind of tire of it it's like let's talk about stuff when there's something to talk about you know yeah that's how captivating these these movies are mike oh yeah like and, and it's you know, it's like everything uh, we love to to dissect, and I mean, this as far as this thing, you, yeah. you got the title; it's red. Um, it is sometimes it is hard not to like try to speculate and go, "Oh, what are they trying to say? Is there is there hidden meaning behind stuff?" And and although there is sometimes, you know, JJ or something, they might throw in some kind of a a a little tease or something that we can try to figure something out. But ultimately, like you said, it's just. Uh, you know, just like here's the title. It looks great. You know, it's cool. I like the title. The Last Jedi. We know it's referring to Luke. Yeah. Um. And and I can't wait to see that because I tell you what, at, at the end of the Force Awakens, I think all of us were the same thing. We're like, that movie ends, and you're just like, oh my gosh, get me into the next movie fast because I got to see what the heck is going on. So yeah. Uh, 
and I'll just say one thing before we, we finish on this. Um, you know, they're talking about like this is the same kind of color they use for uh, Revenge of the uh, Jedi. I mean, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And uh, like you said, there's lots of you know theories already going online about what it could be. But like you said, it's just it's just a cool looking. It's just let's change up the color. You know, it's a yeah. new movie. Let's change the color. You know, it's, yeah. it's cool. So. And you know why they did it? Because we're all talking about it. That's why. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's well, why here's they another did thing it. too. Here's another thing too that I just forgot to mention is like they drop this. It just like out of the blue it's just like oh here's your title you know no and then and then boom you know the the snowball starts piling up and it starts yeah. rolling down the hill and we're all talking like you said everybody's talking about it it's on all the news but i was just kind of shocked that it was just dropped on a i don't even I can't, it was like a morning it was like a i don't know wednesday morning or t- whatever day it was during the week right it was just like no it was it was just, monday it was just like monday, monday morning okay. they were just like here yeah. you go yeah. Just out of nowhere, you know, and then we got that cool picture of uh, maybe a day or two later, Ryan Johnson's Twitter. I yeah. think they should, you know, showed him at uh, the uh, editing bay or something like that with the the scroll going up, uh, or the starting of a scroll episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was really totally. cool. But but yeah, it's just like I was kind of shocked that uh, it was no pomp and circumstance around it. Just like hey, here you go, here's this. It, it makes me think that one of these days. We might get some kind of a teaser video just out of the blue. Who knows? You know, um, yeah. I would think they would wait for something big to put it with, but shoot, you never know. I mean, I think I think this movie is not going to need much. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to need much. Uh, you know, promotion, to yeah. promotion <laughs> to get people uh, back into theaters. I mean, I tell you what, everybody leaving the theater. During the Force Awakens, couldn't wait. Like, man, I can't wait until yeah. 2017 in December. So, I'm gonna go on a prediction to say I, I think uh, Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, could possibly go past what The Force Awakens did because everybody wants to see Luke again. You know, like we were all teased. Yeah. Oh, you can get to see the big three again and, and return in in The Force Awakens. So everybody was back in the theater for that, and then we got that tease at the end. And now everybody's going to be like, okay, now I got to get back to the theater. So I, I'm really thinking this thing could yeah. really break its own record. So we'll see what happens in just, what, the end of this year, Mike? I can't wait. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. I mean, like at this point, you know, we're, we are at the end of January, right? As we record this January 28th, which means yeah. that like we're one month down already, right? Um, yeah. But, awesome. but for me, it's like, let's, you know, at Star Wars Celebration, obviously, we're going to get so much information about the, about the last Jedi. Yeah. Um, but until then, like, let's focus on what we got, which is, uh, especially this, this episode that we're going to talk about today. Um, an awesome, awesome episode of, of star Wars rebels. So like, let's, you know, like we can kind of talk about that stuff and, and when they're ready to talk about, uh, I, the last Jedi, Mm-hmm. We'll get there, you know. So yeah, right. that's—I uh, don't know—that's kind of my. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun ride to the next until uh, December. So, um, but other than that, you know, I, not much going on. I guess uh, everybody knows by now. If you haven't, uh, Rebels, the animated show we're talking about here, it's not going to return until February 18th, which is odd because we had what two episodes or is it three, and then we're already back on a kind of a lengthy break. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's coming back 
on the 18th. So you'll see our episode. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I'm doing the math here. Uh, um, the 18th, and then, so you'll see our episode probably come out the 21st. Um, yeah. As far as uh, our our next episode, yeah. So yeah, it, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. Later. That was one of the, like you know, I I you guys can probably hear that I have a bit of a cold um, that I'm just getting over, and that's why that's why we're late this week. But um, but it we we kind of looked at it and went like, well, it's not really that big of a deal because we got like a month until there's a new episode. <laughs> so I yeah. Uh, yeah, I think everybody can wait a little while for it. Yeah, which was, like I said, which was a little odd that as far as we'll talk about this episode. And it, it seemed like it was going to set up nicely as a, I mean, I know they stand alone, but it was going to flow nicely into the, uh, the next episode, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. But um, yeah, just a little odd as as why the break was here. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know if, if they're just kind of waiting to, to make that push between February and, and April, um, you know, finishing up towards the end where they, we get celebration. So I can't remember last year, did we... Did they finish? The series was over before Celebration, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah, because then they, they kind of promote the next season at at the Celebration. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of a. I was shocked to you know when finishing this episode, I'm like, whoa, we had to wait again. Okay. Well, in any event, uh, they had a they had put a good episode to to kind of end uh, this little mini run they had over the winter here, and then. Mm-hmm. Post- once we get back in the spring, I think we're going to be really pushing all some really good episodes to the finale. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, for um, sure. Anything else, Mike, before we hit the recap? No, I think we're good. Let's get into it. All right. You're in the wrong place. Yeah! Come on, Come on! This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels Recap. Welcome home. Rebels! Yeah! All right, here we go with Trials of the Dark Saber. With two A-Wings flying over Chopper Base on the planet Atalon, the Mandalorian Fenral walks aboard the Ghost at the request of Kanan Jarrus. Kanan has requested a private meeting with Rao to show him the Dark Saber which Sabine Wren had found earlier on Dathomir. Rao recognizes the Darksaber as the symbol of the leader of House Vizsla, later the leader of the group known as Death Watch. Rao then proceeds to recount the history of the Darksaber. According to legend, it was created a thousand years ago by Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian to be inducted into the Jedi Order. After his passing, the Jedi kept the Darksaber at the temple until members of House Vizsla snuck in and stole it they then used to unify the people of Mandalore and to strike down those who oppose them. Rao stresses that the blade is a symbol of Mandalorian power. Kanan tells Rao that Sabine gave it to him for safekeeping, not wanting to go down this path. Rao thinks that it would be a good idea for Sabine to wield the Darksaber in order to uh, reunify one of the most powerful houses on Mandalore. When Kanan asks whether Rao wants to raise an army, he envisions Sabine, uh, Sabine leading it. So, Mike, uh, we open up on Atalon with Kanan summoning Fenral, like it says here, to discuss the dark saber. And Fen recognizes the uh, the saber, <clears throat> and he has yeah. this look on his face. And it, uh, obviously, it's the the symbol for the leader of House Vizsla. And like it says here, the uh, later Death Watch. And he mentions the, you know, actually, we mentioned on our last episode towards the end there, we were talking about could this episode coming up. We were like, man. 
I, we just kind of love that animated scene that played as Fenn told the story of, of, of Tar Vizsla. And it kind of gave us that Disney, that's Disney for you, man. I love that kind of thing when they do that. I've seen that uh, a few times in, in animated movies and I just kind of love the way they do that. Yeah. And that the first Mando was inducted into the Jedi Order. So like, this is totally redoing. I mean, we got more new canon stuff coming into Rebels and where could this lead us? But Mike, this story about Tar Vizsla being the first Jedi or Mandalorian inducted into the Jedi Order, man. What uh, what do you think? I mean, we're going to see this. Hopefully, uh, maybe maybe some more um, backstory on this because there's so many questions I have about this. What do you think about what, what's happening here? Yeah, I think we might get some little pieces of it. I don't know that we will get um, I, everything that people want, right? Because I, I think <clears throat> that they're setting up obviously a story to uh to to entice us um but i i just don't i don't think that we're gonna get the full backstory on is it it's tar vizsla is that the character tar vizsla yeah yeah um i don't think that i don't think that we'll get the full backstory on star wars rebels i think that that's something that that more than likely will come in a terrible book um that's mm-hmm. just sort of uh, uh, written in six months and then published, and then everybody says it's the best thing, until Rebels contradicts it in the future, and then everybody's mad. But um, that tends to be the way that things go with Star Wars these days. I uh, <laughs> the yeah. they they keep dropping all these hints, and then and then or or sort of setting up backstories, and then releasing. Uh, mediocre to okay books um, or comic series. To actually, some of the comic series are pretty good, but mm. um, uh, oh, yeah. a, a, a lot of a lot of the expanded universe stuff right now. Um, it's it's like this. There's there's this weird thing where like I think the the um, the prose novels, like the actual the actual story novels, are kind of. Like they, I don't think that they're as good as they were a few years back, but um, but the supplementary stuff. So things like uh, I, the I think it's like the Galactic Atlas or something, or mm-hmm. Galactic Maps or whatever that just came out. That book yeah. looks incredible. Like yeah, that, I've heard it's great. I've heard that it's great, book yeah. looks ridiculous. So there's this weird thing where there's like there's these books that are like encyclopedias, and those books uh, are are like it, genuinely awesome and then you've got the novels and the novels to me um they really i think the biggest thing is that with the with a couple of exceptions stuff that's come out since since uh disney uh bought lucasfilm um most of it just doesn't feel very star warsy to me i it's yes they're all full of the star wars things like x-wings and tie fighters but mm-hmm. They just don't feel very Star Warsy, and it's like I'm thinking mostly about the aftermath series, and then <clears throat> we talked very uh, candidly about the Force Awakens novelization, which I I, I don't know. Did you ever finish that? Because I returned it to to Audible, no, and I was like, no. "This is got, garbage." No. Yeah, yeah, I got halfway through, and then I decided, amongst other people telling me, it's like, you know what? Here's just like the different plot points that you yeah. did, that that are in it. Yeah, because like I said, it was just reading like almost word for word, and I was just like, well, I don't need to, I don't need to do that, you know. Yeah. So 
yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, there was that. Um, and, and we've got, like, just this week, they announced uh, two tie-in novels to Rogue One. And right. one of them is Guardian, Guardians of the Wills, which um, I don't remember if I ever talked about it. I, I know I talked about it on Twitter, but I don't know if I ever talked about it on Rebels. My hope for that story was that they could do either, like, uh, an animated movie or, uh, like, a miniseries, right? Like, do, do like, a six-episode miniseries mm-hmm. to talk about the Guardians of the Wills, where, like, each episode of that miniseries is a different era of the Guardians of the Wills, and we get, like, the whole backstory, right? But... I don't know. There's a weird thing I think going on at Lucasfilm where like they're not. I guess they're just not there yet. Marvel is getting there, but they're just mm-hmm. not taking chances, right? Um, and Marvel is taking some interesting chances, uh, coming up with uh, with the Spider-Man property, um, most notably, especially because they're partnered with with Sony on that. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're doing an in-universe, like an official Marvel in-universe animated movie, and that animated movie is going to actually be about Miles Morales, the the new Spider-Man um, right. uh, from the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, um, and not Peter Parker, which, like, that's a huge risk, but over at Lucasfilm, they've got all this material to talk about, all of this stuff, and and obviously it's Disney so you know they've got um, Disney had four of the top five highest grossing movies in 2016 so um, Disney's got the cash like they have the the, yeah. the capital to do whatever they want to do um, and it's weird to me that they're not that they're not expanding with Star Wars a little bit more um, and moving <laughs> a little bit faster because they absolutely could be but but they're not. It's it's I, I don't know. I find it very odd. They they could be doing really cool stuff, um, at, like with Guardians of the Wills, uh, and that this all ties back to this episode because that story of Tar Vizsla is the sort of thing that really deserves to be explored, but it deserves to be explored properly, you know, like with with actual. Um, like the time taken and sort of like the 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 appropriate people associated with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but what it'll end up being i guarantee is is more um references in in star wars rebels uh followed by like a, a novel that's mediocre at best you know or maybe a comic book series that's okay Right, but but it's not gonna get given the the sort of treatment that it that I think it should, um, and there are so many people that are that would love the opportunity to work on Star Wars, yet that doesn't seem to be happening. So I, I don't know. It's, I find it very interesting. Yeah, I mean, this when we get this first uh, intro here, and we get the story, and yeah. you know, they talk about the first Mandalorian Jedi. I'm I'm starting to think, well, are they implying that there have been more since then? And and, yeah. and I want to know this. And and th- this whole beginning portion of this was just me going, man, that sounds like a great story. I want to know more. And 
uh, it's, it's just a really great tease, I think, to to end something in the future, and hopefully it's cool. But yeah, it's it, it does what it does. It's supposed to do. It, it grabs your attention, and you go, man, I can't wait to learn more about this Tarvisla and what happened. He's the first Jedi. How did he get in? You know, what did he have to do? And yeah. and how is this? You know, he's t- they're talking about the dark saber, and and how is this thing made? How does it work? I mean, I know I can go on on Wikipedia and, and find different um, explanations, but you know, I want to know what uh, Dave Filoni and them have to say about how does it start, and Pablo and the story group. How does this yeah. dark save work? How does it, you know? So that was intriguing to me. How does that work? And and this and it and it is. It's the most. It's an important symbol, and it's like respected by all the clans. So that, like he says, when you wield this thing, you you have the power, and you don't even have to be obviously a Jedi to to have the power over all these clans. You just have to have that that darn dark saber. So yeah. Um, Really cool, interesting, really, really great tease to maybe something uh, down the line in the future. So really yeah, cool hopefully, stuff. hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. in a story that gets treated with some respect, right? Like because right. because yeah. that that animated sequence in which Fenrau uh, uh, tells Kane in the story was, I mean, like like I I kind of wish that they hadn't shown it to us in the preview. Um, and that yeah, it had been a surprise right. in the episode. And it, this yeah. keeps happening with stuff and, you know, movies and TV and that sort of thing. It happened on Arrow for this past episode as well. Um, this this past week's episode. Um, yeah. Where they just, like, they kind of, they do this really cool stuff and they're really excited to show everybody. But they, they kind of ruin the surprise of how awesome it is by showing it to us outside of the context of the episode. And I know it happens right up front. So it's like, we wouldn't have gotten very far before we found out about it, but I would have rather seen it instead of seeing it at my desk in the morning, you know, like, like when I'm starting my work day, I, I would have rather seen it on Saturday night when Mm -hmm. I sat down, you know, with, you know, uh, on my couch, nice and comfortable, on my big screen TV, and been floored by it, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, he, he, this series has done that before, you know. Like I yeah. mentioned that same thing with when they did Leia, that would have been cool just to see yeah. it pop out. But <clears throat> yeah. of course, you know, they're trying to gain um, some excitement, some buzz, and they, oh, Leia's yeah. going to be, you got to watch this. <clears throat> but I, I totally get what you're saying. So, uh, what's next, Mike? Uh, here we go, here we go. Uh, in her room, Sabine is admiring her art when Chopper enters the room to tell her that all of the other Spectres and Rao have convened for a meeting aboard the Ghost's common room. Sabine tells Rao and the Spectres that she will not wield the Darksaber because it brought her and her family nothing but chaos after Maul took it. Rao replies Maul used it to divide and conquer and adds that she can use it to do the opposite. Sabine thinks that Rao is crazy, but Kanan urges her to listen to what Rao has to say. Kanan doesn't think it is a coincidence that the Darksaber came into her possession. While Kanan thinks that Sabine may not learn how to fight like a Jedi, he thinks that she can become proficient with the Darksaber. Sabine replies that she is skilled with wielding many weapons, but doesn't think she can master a lightsaber. She is reluctant to lead her clan because she is estranged from her family. Uh, when Kanan suggests it can change, Sabine replies that he does not know what he's talking about. Fen then steps in and says that he knows that family is important to the Wrens, just like all Mandalorians. Sabine counters that the crew of the Ghost are her family, and reiterates that she does not want her old family. 
Harrison Dula replies that the Rebellion does need her family's help to rally the Mandalorians to the rebel cause. Uh, she understands that family history can be fa- can be painful, but stresses that they can use the Mandalorians to launch their attack on Lothal. Kanan adds that she can choose to walk away or take up the challenge. After some contemplation, Sabine reluctantly agrees to learn how to wield the Darksaber. So there was a really good moment in here where... Uh, where Hera basically says, like, look, I don't want to have to do this, but right. it's an order. Like, mm-hmm. like I, as a, as a, and this is the interesting thing about Hera's character um, in the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. She went from being the leader of this small group and, you know, being affiliated with the Rebellion, but the Rebellion wasn't really much of anything. She didn't really hold much of a rank. And then when she was given rank... I uh, now it's very much like look the rebellion comes first um and i think that right. that's actually going to lead to some conflict later in the series because i think mm, that, that be, she's yeah because yeah, i think that the rebellion's gonna ask them to do some stuff and sabine sorry hair is gonna gonna say yes and then she's gonna take it to the to the crew and the crew is gonna be like that's not really what we do right mm-hmm. and and that that could cause some conflict so We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe it's coming this season. They've been kind of yeah, leaning yeah, on it hard. Sure. So, uh, well, like I said before, I, you know, I think that we've seen they've taken her in like a different direction. Yeah, and she's kind of splitting off. I mean, she's still the leader of the ghosts. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like she's being called away for bigger things that are going on in the Rebel Alliance. So I think you're right, Mike. I think there's going to be, and and we know that she's going to end up in Rogue One because we hear her in the. Um, so she's going to make it at least that far. Uh, so I think you're right. I think they are kind of they're going to ask her to do some bigger things in uh, uh, in the continued fight against the Empire. And, and in this scene too, man, this is a great scene. I mean, Sabine sitting in her room, she's contemplating if she wants to take on. I mean, she knows, right? She even in the beginning, uh, they they kind of just show a shot of her as Fen Rao's walking up, like she's looking like, man, he's going to go talk to him about something like. This yeah. is probably about me, you know. So she knows that this might be coming. Does she want this responsibility? Uh, at first, she doesn't. Um, she knows she knows about the dark saber too, which is nice, and and the trouble it caused. And and she'll get more into this later on in the episode. And Fen tells her it's about you know what the dark saber represents, and and she's telling him like. I, I don't know how to wield this thing. I mean, I know how to I mean, blasters and bombs and all this kind of thing. I, I know how to do that, but I don't know how to wield a, a lightsaber. Yeah. And he's all, no, it's not about that. It's about you having this in your hands. <clears throat> and uh, it's the symbol, not necessarily that you need to use it. And then Kanan kind of tells her, well, when you have this thing, everybody's going to want it. Because they know the power that it holds, so you're going to have to learn how to use it to, you know, protect yourself to keep it on you. But it's more about, you know, what it represents. So, man, a really cool scene of of Sabine kind of finally accepting the responsibility of how big this is going to be. And and this, you know, I tell you what, Mike, I wasn't necessarily a big Sabine fan from the beginning. Um, yeah, she's kind of like a, a secondary character for a while. But I tell you what, man, I really love what they did with her in this episode and kind of her. This is kind of like her coming out party to me. Uh, I know people have loved some of the stuff she's done earlier in the seasons. But for me, man, this is this seems like her coming out party right here. And it was it was really good stuff and good, uh, 
acting performances as well. So, yeah, um, for sure. Let me continue here, Mike. I'll keep going here. Kanan <clears throat> and Ezra take Sabine on a land speeder into Adalon's wilderness to avoid the distra- distractions of Chopper Base. Sabine whines that she expected sword fighting when Kanan begins the training with sticks. Ezra watches while Kanan and Sabine parry with sticks. Sabine advances on the blind Kanan, but the Jedi uses uh, Jedi Knight uses the Force to sense her movements and strikes her with his stick, knocking her to the ground. Kanan remarks that this technique might work on stormtroopers, but not him. Sabine attacks Kanan again, but he bests her and taps her on the neck with his stick. He warns her that every mistake is a limb gone and warns her not to rest, uh, rest her blade. Unimpressed with Sabine's melee combat prowess, he tells her to practice with Sabine, uh, with Ezra despite her protests. Ezra teaches her about the different lightsaber fighting uh, strokes using the sticks while Kanan stands by. A couple of days later, Kanan is contacted by Hera via comlink. He tells her that Ezra is introducing Sabine to the basics of stick fighting. When Kanan tells Hera that uh, he is trying to be careful with Sabine, Hera replies that he did not uh, make Ezra fight with a stick. Kanan reiterates that he is trying to do things carefully. Hera counters that Kanan doubts her abilities because Sabine can't use the Force. Kanan explains that the Force resides in everything, but that Sabine has not opened her mind to it. When Hera tells Kanan she is sending out uh, supplies, Kanan responds that the only extra provisions they need are patience and understanding. How are you, Hera? It's been a couple of days. I wanted to see how things are going. Slowly. Ezra's still taking her through the basic forms with the training sabers. Training sabers? You mean those sticks you and Zed made? I'm being careful. Were you careful with Ezra? I don't remember him fighting with a stick. Well, maybe I'm trying to do things differently this time. Or maybe because she doesn't have the Force, you don't believe she can do this? No. The Force resides in all living things, but you have to be open to it. Sabine is blocked. Her mind is conflicted. She's so expressive and yet so tightly wound. She's so... Mandalorian. Ugh, very. I'll be sending out supplies. Is there anything specific that you need? Patience, understanding. Hmm. I'll see what I can do. Oh, Mike, can you hear the convoys? Uh, yeah. Or is it con- is, uh, They kind of show a shot of them, and, and they've been showing up a lot in this episode. But this training montage, I'll tell you what, this is the stuff I, I really liked. I mean, this whole episode had the samurai-type vibe to it, even For with sure. the music, which is great. Um, and you got this, like I said, this training uh, begins with the training sabers. Um and or Sabine calls it a stick, which is kind of funny. Uh, but but here's where he says the force resides in all living things. And I'm wondering, could and I'll see what you have to think on this, Mike. Um, could Sabine be taught to use the force? I mean, does she have that in her? I mean, we're going to get you know, you're going to get some. There's a lot of stuff online about who Sabine is, where she came from. Does she have force abilities? Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of like hints in here and i don't know if i was reading too too much into the hints mike but i don't know what do you think no i think i i think what that was was uh, more than anything dave filoni trying to get across the concept to everybody that um that the force isn't everything right i mean right. i let's say there there are three sources of of information on the force 
uh, that that we look to when we talk about this stuff. There's Obi Wan, there's Yoda, and there's Qui Gon, right? And uh-huh. all three of them say it, right? right. Obi Wan says it's the the it's an energy field created by living th- things. It's it's everywhere, right? And then Yoda says like the force is is all around us, and between you and me, the rock, the ship, right? Like. And then Qui-Gon says that midichlorians reside in all living things, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the concept of midichlorians is that the higher the count, the, the more clearly you can communicate, right? Um, right. It's, it's just a, it's a, I think it's, it's, people think of it as like a power rating, but I would refer to it more as bandwidth. Right, so it's like when when that bandwidth is larger, it's like on your computer with your your computer speed, right? If your bandwidth is super tight, right, you have very few midichlorians in your blood. Communicating with the force, you know, communicating through the internet, sending an email takes forever. It's very difficult, right? But when you mm-hmm. have that that larger bandwidth, all of a sudden it's lightning fast and it's immediately responsive, right? So right. I think that that is is half of it. The other half is what Obi Wan says to Luke on on the Millennium Falcon, where he says, you know, uh, where where Luke says, oh, so it controls your actions, and and Obi Wan says, well, partially, but partially, it also yeah. it also obeys your commands, your commands yeah. right? And <laughs> yeah. and he and then he gives him the helmet, and he says, you know, let go of your of your conscious feelings like and, and act on instinct right and and I think what Kanan is saying here is that Sabine is not using her instinct and by the end of the episode what we see is her relying on instinct and she actually right. I mean, would get there but she manages to defeat Kanan when she does rely on her instinct and mm-hmm. when she also lets go of the pain that she's holding on to right so like he, there, there are. I don't know. I I really love this episode. I think this might be my favorite episode of the series. I'm hard pressed to think of another one that has as much meat on its bones as this episode does. And mm-hmm. I found myself while watching this episode thinking, like, this is what people wanted out of the prequels. This oh, is yeah. what people wanted to see in episode one and two, right? Like. Yeah. Like the idea of training Anakin Skywalker, this is the story that people wanted to see. Um, mm-hmm. And if we had gotten a story like this, people might have understood where Anakin was a little bit better. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like like we get so deep into the into the Force side of things and into Kanan's perspective on that. And Kanan, I think, like the thing with Kanan is that he kind of screwed up with Ezra, and I think he knows it. Yes, yes, and I think that he's he's course corrected, and and the Bendu has helped him with that. Um, but here he has an opportunity to start from scratch, and so he's like he says he's trying to be careful. So he might be taking his his idea of um, of of doing it properly this time, and sort of pushing it to an extreme. And then I think there's also a little bit of wariness. I mean, like there's a there's an inherent prejudice between the Mandalorians and the Jedi um, that is sort of an undercurrent here, where it's like I, he he's not 
I don't think that he's super keen about giving a Mandalorian the ability to defeat a Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Especially there are so few Jedi left in the galaxy that, uh, yeah, that that you know, like you, you know, you train Sabine how to do this. That's fine. You trust Sabine, but then she trains another Mandalorian, and that Mandalorian trains another Mandalorian, and all of a sudden the Mandalorians and the Jedi uh, are on even footing, right? So. Um, I think that there's a little bit of apprehension there, but but yeah. that's very very minor. I think it's more so that he's not entirely confident in his abilities and he's wary because of what happened with Ezra. So mm-hmm. he's try he's overcompensating, right? And I think Hera that's gets exactly that and says that to yeah. him. So yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. And, and when you get this call from Hera, she's kind of telling him that because yeah. I, I felt the same thing, like. He's he like you said he knows what happened with Ezra. Maybe he could have made some changes, and now he's kind of almost going the opposite way, kind of being so yeah. hard on him, and he's frustrated. And after just this first beginning part of the training session, he's just like gives up, like not gives up, but he goes, "No, you're not ready for me here, Ezra. Take over." And uh, and just and it was cool. Is like show her the basic form. So now she's learning basic, you know, all all the forms of lightsaber combat, which was kind of neat. And and like you said, no, I think he he is. He's frustrated, yeah, because um, he doesn't want to mess this up, and so he kind of takes his himself out of it for a minute, and he contacts Hera, and she's like, "Hey, you gotta you gotta chill out. You know, this is what you did with Ezra," and I think he does change it. Uh, the second parts of the uh, training session, like you said, we'll get there, um, but man, this is this is the beginning of some some really deep stuff. Like you said. Man, if you could have got that in the prequels about lightsaber forms yeah. and, and combat, oh man, it's this really interesting stuff. Even though it's just they're just practicing, you're learning so much about what's going on about the force and everything. So, yeah. uh, great stuff. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, what's next? Yeah, uh, while Kanan stands by, Sabine and Ezra continue to parry with their sticks. Uh, later, Fen Rao arrives on a speeder bike with supplies from Chopper Base. Ezra manages to dodge Sabine's attacks with his stick and manages to knock her to the ground. Rao surmises that Sabine is overcommitted, but a frustrated Sabine is not eager to listen to any opinions. Rao brings Sabine a box that came partially at his recommendation. Sabine discovers that Fen has brought Mandalorian Van Braces. He explains that the Van Brace is equipped with paralyzing darts and cables meant to combat the, the abilities of the Jedi. He whispers for Sabine to take the Jedi Ezra down a peg or two. Um, this was really cool because we got to see, you know, I, I, Sabine has gauntlets, but they're not mm-hmm. exactly the same as like Boba yeah. Fett or, or the Death Watch that we saw in Clone Wars. But now she has proper Mandalorian gauntlets. So it'll yeah. be cool to see her use those in the future. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a nice little gift for her. She's like, whoa, you know, because she's never, she's obviously knows about them, but she doesn't, yeah. she's never had any. So this is great for her. And, and like I said earlier, this train, as this training scene goes on, this montage and stuff, it may, like I said, obvious samurai vibe from the, uh, the training scenes and yeah. the music, the music cues, like I mentioned, just brought me back to, I was a big fan of like samurai ninja movies when I was growing up as a kid. So definite, um, uh, cool vibes from that. I love the way the music, uh, paired with it, with this particular episode, so that was really great. And I, I forgot to mention too, it was at the beginning of this montage when um, Ezra kind of gets knocked around by by Kanan. There's one scene where you know uh, Ezra's sitting over there and he knocks her down. Uh, Kanan knocks her down, and then Ezra goes, "Oh, you know, like 
Oh, I felt that for myself. And I have all this seriousness in this episode, I, I kind of laughed out loud when I saw that because it's just like something a kid would do, like seeing another a friend of theirs getting their butt kicked. It was just like, oh, man, I felt that one over yeah. here. So I thought that was yeah. some of the funny things that come out of this episode was, was Ezra and, and some of his quips. So that was cool. Uh, I'll continue. Sabine and Ezra resume their training exercise. When Ezra asks what she, uh, what she has, Sabine remarks that she has got more things than he can handle. Ezra jokes about not going easy on her this time. The two parry with uh, the training sabers, and Sabine uses her Mandalorian van braces to unleash a sonic boom that knocks Ezra to the ground. After some parrying, Sabine manages to knock Ezra to the ground and points her stick at him. Ezra complains that the van brace gives her an unfair advantage and asks where she got them. Sabine says, special delivery, while Rouse snickers in the background. When Kanan asks Sabine if she is playing a game, she replies she's just outsmarting her opponent. Sabine then uses her van brace to wrap a cord around Kanan. Despite being blind, Kanan uses his lightsaber to break free and knock Sabine to the ground. Kanan gives Sabine a history lesson that the Jedi won the war and that these tricks will not keep her alive in the long run. He warns her that only training and discipline uh, will keep her alive. An exasperated Sabine remarks that Ezra must be really gifted to learn from a lousy teacher like Kanan. She drops the stick and storms off into the cave to spend some time alone. So uh, in this scene here, again, Kanan's kind of giving her a hard lesson. You know, he's not impressed with mm -hmm. all the uh, <laughs> all the tricks and the doodads. It was kind of cool to see her kind of get it one up on Ezra. She kind of uses the sonic boom as, as almost like a force push, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we get the story. Uh, we didn't get the story, but Kanan mentions the Jedi Mandalorian War, and I, I'm, I'm my my uh, continuity is not the greatest, Mike. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is well before Kanan's time, but he obviously knows about it, right? I mean, he must have heard the stories about because this is around the time Dooku was was a Jedi, if I remember right. The Mandalorian Wars. I I don't. I know. mean, I guess that's not considered canon anymore. I guess I. I'm trying to think of yeah. It's I, tough I, to it's tough to pin that down because um, it could be referring back to the old the republic, old, yeah. Right, because in the video game, the old republic, they refer to the fact that the that the um, the Jedi and the and the Mandalorians have sort of been at it. But I don't know if yeah. that specifically is about a war or not. Um, yeah, it's but, all yeah. legends now, I guess. Yeah, true. But yeah, yeah I, um, as far as as far as this scene though, uh, just just the fact that she's able to kind of use her trick. I mean, this is what Mandalorians yeah. do. They they use what they can to gain an advantage. But you know, like I said, Kanan's not feeling it. You know, he's like, yeah, you got to learn how to to use this thing, use the the dark saber. You don't rely on this kind of stuff. So, um, uh, like I said, I, I just love the fact that she used that stinking. I guess they call it a repulsor. Uh, as a force push and kind of shocked Ezra like whoa what you know what's going on there so um, and then she kind of storms off like a brat so I didn't I didn't I wasn't really feeling that part of it but hey she's kind of I forget sometimes she's still like a teenager so I guess she would she yeah, probably would do sure. something like that so um, let's see where are we at Mike want me to continue here uh, yeah Sabine and Ezra no let's see where are we uh, when Sabine is Oh, shoot, I forgot. I lost my place. I uh, Here, I'll, I'll continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, while Sabine is contemplating, Ezra visits her to encourage her to persevere. He explains that Kanan may not be the easiest teacher, but he means well. 
Sabine responds that she knows how to fight and reiterates her belief that she can learn to use the sword, but doesn't want everything that comes with it. When Ezra asks her about her family, Sabine says that her family regards her as a traitor and disgrace. Ezra says that is not true, but Sabine replies that he does not know her. Unable to come to terms with her family problems, Sabine believes she can't lead her people. Ezra apologizes, but tells her at least she has parents to go back to, unlike him. Sabine realizes that Ezra is right and starts to walk away. The Bendu then surfaces as the rock where Ezra and Sabine had been talking. Hey. Not now, Ezra. Look, I just wanted to say I know what it's like. Believe me, Cannon's not the easiest teacher to have, but he means well. Does he do any of them? I know how to fight. I believe I can learn to use that sword. I just don't want everything that comes with it. You mean your family? I'm a disgrace to them, Ezra. A traitor. But that's not true. To them, it is. You don't know. No one does. I don't want to talk about these things. How can I lead my people? How can I go back there and face them? I'm sorry, Sabine. At least you have parents to go back to. And I gotta say, Mike, this is um, this is actually a touching scene here with these two. We got Sabine mm-hmm. and Ezra, and and you know, there's obviously similar in age, and. Uh, in, in, in certain ways, almost kind of like similar arcs as far as where they're heading. You know, you got Ezra learning to be a Jedi, and he's one of the last uh, of the Jedi right now. And Sabine's now on this path of learning how to lead a people. This is what they're asking her to do. So both of them have these huge responsibilities now um, in their story arcs. And I thought that was a cool little moment between them, kind of both of them realizing um what's been going on, what's happening between them and, and Ezra kind of feeling for her. And, you know, he even says, Hey, at least you got family, uh, or whatever his line was. So a really cool connection there, uh, between those two. And then of course it ends with, uh, kind of the Bendu kind of listening in and, you know, there obviously there's some thoughts on that. And I think there's actually email about, about the Bendu, but, um, and we'll get to that in in a little bit, but what'd you think, Mike, of this scene right here? Yeah, I thought, you know, this is when this is when the episode really, really starts to get good. Everything up until this point has just been set up. And now we start to actually get into it. So one of the things that I that I, I, I really liked about this episode is that um, unlike several of the other stories where we're told we're going to get backstory on so and so, it's like, oh, now we're going to learn all about this person's history. Um, mm-hmm. I always found myself really disappointed, especially with the ones involving Sabine. So it's like, you know, the one where she breaks out Wedge and and uh, and Hobby from from the Imperial Academy. Um, we get little hints at her background, but we don't actually learn anything about her character. We just learn where she was before she was with the Rebels, and mm-hmm. 
and and I I oh, what's the what's the other bounty hunter that that she hung out with? Uh, oh no, Sabine. Yeah, what was I can't remember the character's name. Um, but uh, you know, we got that storyline, which was like, oh, look at this. It's it's you know, um, this is one of her friends, right? Um, right. Oh, what's what's Ketsu, Ketsu Ono. Was, Ketsu, there you go, name. yeah. Um, yeah, it's right. like, all, so all that taught, told us was that at one point she was a bounty hunter. So, like, we get these little bits that they express, like, where she was at certain points in time and maybe what she was doing, but nothing that really actually, like, explains her motivations or who she is or, or where she's come from. Or what, like how she feels, right? Um, mm-hmm. This story gets into that, and it actually gets into her family, and it actually tells that story. So um, that's I really liked that aspect of it myself. Mm-hmm. That that was sort of what I what I took away from from this, and then and then her conversation with Kanan when they're fighting in a second. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Any any thoughts on the Bendu? Or you want to wait till the email? No. Yeah, we can wait till that email. Okay, we'll do that. I'll continue. Back at the rubble camp, Hera reassures Kanan that teaching Ezra was not easy, but he did it well. Kanan explains that Ezra was much more eager to learn. Hera then points out that he is still not allowing Sabine to train with a darksaber. Kanan responds that Sabine still has not found balance within herself and that it would be too dangerous to let her wield an actual lightsaber. Hera counters that letting Sabine continue fighting with sticks will inhibit her commitment. Kanan fears that Sabine will get hurt, but Hera points out that she has been hurt by her family. Hera tells him that she knows what it's like for people who love you not to believe in you. She urges Kanan to give Sabine the Darksaber so that she can claim ownership and face her demons. Later that night, Ezra and Fen are sitting by the campfire when Ezra asks when Sabine will return, Rao cautions patience. Ezra says that Kanan is making Sabine learn of everything at once and opines that she needs more time. Rao replies that uh, time is not a luxury of the galaxy. So that is one thing is like, man, there are packing, Kanan's trying to pack in a lot of stuff within, you know, it seems like they're doing this within a week's time, a f- you know, a few days or whatever. So yeah. they're trying, I mean, they're putting her on the fast track to, to and it's not, it's, they're not trying to make her you know, uh, a massive uh, Jedi or anything like that. They're just trying to get her to be able to wield this thing against other Mandalorian who are going to try to take it from her. But it's obviously um, something that's going to take some time because Sabine still has this, and you said it, Mike, she has this thing that's blocking her right now, and it's it's getting Kanan trying to get her to to accept this thing fully and and she's going to break out and finally show what she's uh, what she's made of but it's getting to that point and and they don't have a lot of time and that's what Ralph's saying like we got to get her on this yeah thing quick so yeah totally uh what's next Mike <clears throat> uh are you here you're up it's uh we're right after the clip oh, okay did... um uh, oh no you did... you already said you already did this one didn't you you just did it yeah I did that one you're up <laughs> sorry <laughs> I we're doing this early in the morning, which is not normal <laughs> for us. Uh, Sabine soon returns to the camp and walks towards Kanan. Kanan apologizes to her, and she apologizes for her behavior in return. 
He gives her the Darksaber and tells her to take it because it is hers. Uh, Kanan explains that energy constantly flows through the crystal and tells her uh, sorry, and tells her that her thoughts and actions oh, it tells her that her thoughts and actions guide the blade's power. He adds that her thoughts flow through the crystal and become part of the blade. Kanan ignites his own lightsaber and explains that the blades will be drawn to each other before telling her to block high. Kanan tells that she is clinging to a heavy thought. As the two parry, Kanan tells Sabine to block low, hard, and the middle repetitively. The two continue training, and Kanan reminds her to remember the forms that Ezra taught her. Kanan and Sabine parry with blades and increase their tempo. He manages to knock Sabine to the ground and tells her not to make it easy. The two continue parrying, and Sabine is gradually able to strengthen her connection to the blade. I tell you, Mike, this is... Um... I, I, this is great right here. I mean, this yeah. is basically Kanan telling all of us along with Sabine or Sabine along with all of us how, you know, how a freaking lightsaber works, right? Like he explains that the wielder, um, you know, through the crystal and all that is linked to the person um, and holding it through the force. Even, you know, even for, um, you know, we don't know exactly what is with uh, Sabine yet, how force sensitive she is and all that, but yeah. he's kind of explaining how the blade works. You know, he says, ignite the blade, and she's like, man, this thing's heavy, and he talks about how the energy flows flows through it and connects with the uh, with the wielder. So, um, man, it's just, man, I was just like glued and listening to everything he said, because I don't know that we've ever had an explanation of the lightsaber and how it connects to you more than we've had in this episode, Mike, can you think of anything like that? No. I mean, we know Obi-Wan talked about some things on the Millennium Falcon, but this, um, as far as like, this has got to be the deepest ex explanation of the lightsabers and how they, how you connect with it. Um, we've yeah. seen in, in Star Wars canon, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. In, in canon, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean like there, there are definitely pieces of, of EU and sort of supplementary, um, uh, Star Wars lore that, they get into it but not not in this way i think that this is definitely this is definitely the best version of this type of story that's been told yeah. so far right right and he's ramping up the uh the training here and she's starting to she's starting to connect with it and she's starting to even she even mentions at one point man this thing feels a little lighter now because it was heavy at first and then once you connect with it it kind of flows with you and man yeah. it's just oh, so great and music and everything and wow it's just it's really it was really great uh, great scene i loved it uh kanan um uh kanan cautions her not to rely solely on the dark saber and to use all her skills together kanan manages to knock the blade out of her hand but she uses the vambrace to grab the blade the two continue pairing and kanan manages to knock her to the ground ezra tries to intervene the route holds him back kanan tells sabine that she is not fighting with uh, fighting him but herself and that she has to uh, she has to lose herself while training. Kanan goads Sabine about quitting and running from her family, uh, people and family. As the two cross their blades, Sabine tells Kanan that she left to save everyone, including her mother, her father, and her brother. Um, should uh, should we keep going, Mike? And, yeah, and, let's keep going because now we're really okay. getting into it. So, okay, go ahead. Um, Sabine reiterates that she did everything she did for her family. 
She tells Kanan that she helped the Empire to build weapons, but that the Empire then used them on her friends and family. She condemns herself for her role in helping the Empire to enslave her people as she continues to parry with Kanan. She explains that she spoke out to save everyone uh, and manages to knock Kanan to the ground. When Sabine spoke out, her family did not stand with her, but sided with the Empire. She reveals that her family left her with no choice. Uh, this is fished out. The Empire wanted to destroy worlds, and they have destroyed hers. Sabine then breaks down weeping. A sympathetic Kenning tells her that the Empire rules through fear, and that her family are living in a prison of their own making. He tells her uh, she can free them. When Sabine asks why they would wa uh, want to follow her, Fenral and Ezra pledge to stand by her. Kanan reiterates that this family will follow her whatever she chooses. When I did! My family didn't stand with me. They chose the Empire. They left me. Gave me no choice. The Empire wanted to destroy worlds, and they did. They destroyed mine. <laughs> the Empire rules with fear, and not everyone can be as strong as you've been. Your family is in a prison, one of their own making. It's up to you to help them out of it. But how? Why? Why would they believe me? Why would they follow me? I know this might not be what you want to hear, but for what it's worth, I would follow you. So would I. And I mean it. You've come a long way in a very short time. Where you go from here is up to you. But no, this family will stand by you no matter what you choose. Mike, I gotta tell you, a very powerful scene at the end, and you mentioned it earlier. This is Sabine kind of finally, um, you know, Kanan's just taunting her and goading her and just trying to pull it out of her because he knows, I, I think he senses that she has a special ability. Yeah. And he's he's doing everything he can to try to break her out of this this funk to get her into the into it. And he finally breaks her about her family. We get this whole, she tells us this whole story about her family and about the empire and, and they deserted her and just, man, it just like hits you right in the heart, you know, and, and um, finally gets Sabine to, to break down. Like you said, he, he, she overpowers him. And I, I don't know if it was fully her overpowering, if, if Kanan kind of maybe held up a little bit, I don't know, but, um, what a way to end this episode and to get all this backstory about her. And this is why she had a, such a hard time accepting um, the Darksaber and this new responsibility of maybe leading the Mandalorian people in a whole different direction. Uh, man, some powerful stuff at the end here, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, this is this is the best the series has been, I think. Um, mm. The only thing that kind of matches up with this kind of storytelling has been the stuff involving Darth Vader. Um, yeah. Right, and, right. Uh, and, 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 and Ahsoka obviously as well. But I, but I really don't think that the characters that were introduced for this show have had the opportunity to shine 
quite this brightly I, uh, until this point. Um, mm-hmm. Ezra's had some yeah. good moments, but but um, I think because we focus on him so much, they 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 don't stand out. Um, but uh, and there's obviously still some more to tell with his story, and I think I think we'll get there. But um, but yeah, I mean, I this goes down as as I think my favorite episode of the series because this is wow. this is good. Se- this is good Star Wars. Like this is this is sort of the 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 what i want to see out of a series out of a star mm-hmm. wars series the the adventures and the you know uh, the heists and and the battles and stuff are all they're all great but this was like the 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 luke's training on dagobah right like this was oh, yeah. one of the yeah. reasons why everybody considers empire to be the best star wars movie right so um yeah, I, I do think that that this really really stands out for me, um, and it's funny you you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that this is kind of like filler, and I didn't really think of it that way, but like you know you you're kind of right I think, but but this I think is that, that that term is that's almost I, I don't mean to be like no I know you know, I yeah. you know what I mean like yeah like it I understand because because okay. nothing really happens the plot doesn't really move forward until those last five seconds of the episode but i would say like last week's episode with warhead with the with the droid like that was just total filler um nothing important happens in that with the exception that now thrawn has a better idea of where the rebels are he still doesn't know where they are so you can't Mm -hmm. say that something monumental happened uh, but you know he has a better idea so that's the most consequential thing of that episode with this one Sabine is now going to go to the Mandalorians and reunite the 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 Ren clan right like she's going to go yeah go do what what they describe at the beginning of this episode so um I like that's a big deal that's a that's a that's a very big turning point for her character and it's going to be important plot wise I think for for the series um, this idea that they're going to use the Mandalorians to liberate Lothal um, the one thing I have to say is that if that happens if they liberate Lothal and it happens before Rogue One we have a mm-hmm. problem because the crawl in Star Wars A New Hope specifically mm-hmm. says that the rebellion has won its first decisive victory right mm-hmm. like it yeah. they they didn't win before that so the only thing that can happen is that the rebels can launch their attack on Lothal but they have to lose if they mm-hmm. do it before Rogue One it has to be a situation where where the rebels uh, uh, and the Mandalorians lose either that or the rebellion has nothing to do with it it's really just the ghost crew and a bunch of Mandalorians that's the mm-hmm. only way that I can uh, sort of I uh, I uh, when Tara said that, I was like, that better not be where this season is going. Like, that better be, like, two seasons away, right? Like, well, that. that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, is that where they're going with this? Is they're going to liberate or yeah. something's gonna, something huge is going to happen on Lothal? Is maybe Lothal is not considered a, a decisive victory? I don't, I don't know. It seems like it would because all the stuff that's going on there. Yeah. You know, they're building stuff. They pretty much took over. So, um, yeah, you're right, Mike. That's, that's an interesting, interesting question um 
And I'll tell you what, I have to get away from saying, I'm not going to, I'm going to try to not to say filler episodes anymore, yeah. even if it is, because I, I think that term is just getting, I might be using that too much. And, and like I said, it was hard. It's almost like disrespectful to say this is a filler, but I, and I didn't yeah. mean it that way. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was, this episode was so good For that, sure. um, I can't really even call it that, but like I said, Sabine here, Mike Sabine's telling us that, and she's telling Kanan that she, she left everyone to save her family. Right. And then she, um, she, she joins the empire. She helps build a weapons and she, she's training under the empire. And then after all that, she tries to leave, um, after her people are enslaved and then like her family decides to kind of have nothing to do with her. So she, man, she's been going through it. She's had this heavily weighing on her conscience for years and years. And, but Canaan's finally able to get her to, to kind of break all through that. And yeah, you know, they're there for, and it's just, man, this is a great episode, great touching ending to this. And she finally, you know, takes up the mantle on it, man. I can't wait to see. It sounds like we'll talk about next episode. This is where she's going. She's going to, uh, take that challenge. She's going to go confront, um, her family. It looks like, man, so we're going to be headed for some, for some good stuff. So man, as far as the episode, we talked about it, great stuff. Um, you know, Sabine, like I said, wasn't a great fan of hers, but man, like everything going on with her, I, this was, like I said, her breakout episode for me, uh, the voice acting was all on point. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of those, one of those, you know, episodes that everything just kind of came together. And, and of course this thing was, um, if I remember correctly, it was written by Dave Filoni. So again, showing how tuned in to this, um, this saga he is, man, just some great, great work all around the episode. So, uh, good stuff for me, man. Five out of, uh, four and a half out of five dark sabers for me on this episode. Loved it. Um, so Mike, um, anything else before we hit the uh, mailbag? No, let's jump into the mailbag. I don't want to say anything before. What message? Mailbag. Council is asking you. So Mike, uh, first one is from our good buddy, Martin Ailman. So, um, I guess, uh, you want me, I'll take the first one, I guess he says, Hey guys, I absolutely loved this episode. The season as a whole has had some questionable pacing throughout, but now that we are getting past the setup, it seems like we are getting into the real meat on the bones with some of our characters. Sabine as a whole has been for me, just an okay character with some small moments to shine. I think why people are connecting so much with this episode is that we are finally getting answers to her backstory. When Ralph said to Sabine, take Ezra down a peg, I couldn't help but think that that's what the creators that were doing with Sabine in this episode. It was nice to see her struggle with the training of the blade and uh, quote the truth. It was a welcome addition. I'm usually in agreement with Michael on how he thinks the Mandalorians have been a bit flat lately, but this was truly the first time since the Mandalorian plot and the lawless from the Clone Wars days that I've cared this much about them. I also have to mention that I think this might be Freddie Prince Jr.'s best performance of Kanan yet. I really felt this power in this episode. Same with Tia. She really made me care for her struggle. They really knocked it out of the park in this episode. I think this episode is easily in my top five of the series. February 18th. Really can't get in here fast enough. Thanks for all the work you guys do. So, Mike, Mark, uh, Martin, you know, he, he kind of uh, echoes some some thoughts that I had and, of course, of what yeah. you had. He's talking about Sabine and how we, I think it looks, sounds like both of us kind of put her down towards the end of characters that that we sort of like but man like i said this was a standout episode for her yeah and he mentioned the voice cast as well i mentioned that earlier great stuff from them um 
what do you think about what Martin's saying, Mike, and about the Mandalorians as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously getting getting into uh, what makes a Mandalorian a Mandalorian and how they're different from the Jedi really like juxtaposing that by having this conflict between Kanan and, and Sabine, I think was a really cool storytelling device and a really great way of showing us that relationship instead of just telling us about the relationship. I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest problems on Rebels has been that they've doing a lot of they've been doing a lot of talking about things while other stuff is happening. Um, but in this instance, we really got to see it. Um, and and I think he's sort of referring back to, I think a few episodes ago I said something along the lines of the most interesting thing about Sabine is that she's a Mandalorian, but that's not particularly interesting, right? And But, like, they keep focusing on her this season, right? They, they, they've kept returning to her as, as this central character um, without actually doing any storytelling around her. And this is the first time I feel like they actually got that right. Um, yeah. they, they, they actually did tell a story around her. Um, and it, and it actually has a point and it's, it, it is, uh, uh, purposeful, poignant and, and, uh, interesting to dig into. And it doesn't just enhance her character as he says, like it's, this is one of Freddie Prince Jr.'s best performances yeah. as Kanan. And I absolutely agree with that. He, he is pushed to his limit, uh, in, in a certain respect in this episode and that allows for some really great performance to come out and and vice versa for for tia with uh with uh a sabine as well right, uh, right. They, they are both they push each other and so we get some really great moments between the two of them and we learn yeah. about both of them at the same time you know um we also see a little bit of ezra coming out as well right he's a he's sort of pushed to the side in this episode a little bit which is nice because mm-hmm. he has kind of been the focus, um, he, him and Sabine this season, right? It's been the two of them, um, right. which I find very interesting, and I'm, I wonder if it's going to build towards something. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. we'll see. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I, I agree with with Martin on on basically all of this. This is the best Mandalorian stuff since since the Lawless for sure. I mean, like oh, I I, sure. I don't know if I'll put it quite as good as that because. There's no mm-hmm. Obi-Wan in this story, but uh, there is Kanan, and yeah. that's kind of, like, yeah. like almost as good. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he says he, he puts it in the top five, uh, easily in the top five of the yeah. series for me. Um, yeah. no, no doubt about that. So uh, you want to take the next two, Mike? Yeah, sure. Brenton Portis <laughs> says, great episode. Everything Martin said. So uh, he clearly agrees with us as well. But uh, we got yeah. another one uh, from Kimberly Ross. And Kimberly says, I just finished watching this episode. Not only did it give us a ton of new information about Sabine's story, but even told us more about Kanan, Ezra, and Hera. Seeing the Darksaber was very, very cool. I have to say one of my favorite parts of the episode is when Hera was checking in on Kanan in the training, or I imagine he reached out to her for support too. They work together so well as a team, and as zen as Kanan is, it was really interesting to see Hera help him understand. It spoke to Hera's character, that she was looking out for both Kanan and Sabine, just like the team mom should. I, I'm i wondering your thoughts on a couple things. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm super congested right now. Uh, do you <laughs> think the implication of Sabine taking the Darksaber and its responsibilities mean her separating from the crew, at least temporarily? It seems she's got business on Mandalore. 
Uh, what, if anything, do you think the Bendu had to do with the episode? Do you think that Sabina and Bendu connected a little? It was interesting for me to see the Bendu make an appearance, uh, for sure, and I was just curious about your thoughts on that. Thanks again, y'all rock, and I look forward to the podcast about this episode. So yeah, um, I Sabine splitting from the crew. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's more likely to happen is that um, she's. I don't think she's going to unite all of the Mandalorians, but I do think that there is going to be a a significant chunk of Mandalorians who decide oh, to follow her. So rather than Sabine leave the crew to be with the Mandalorians, I think that some of the Mandalorians are going to leave Mandalore and come to Adelon. Um, just in time for Adelon to be discovered by Thrawn and uh, and for them to be needed in a battle. So, There's a battle, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I think that that's where that's leading, and, and we'll see uh, in February if that's true, if that's the case. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, in terms of the Bendu, uh, if you if you check out StarWars.com, you go to the trivia section, you'll find out that actually the conversations that happened between Kanan and Hera were originally intended to happen between Kanan and Bendu, but mm-hmm. they ended up sort of you know switching it up so that Hera could come in and, and be team mom, right? So um, I think that they that him being there was just sort of a little nod to that idea that he's that he's, he's involved around i scene, think yeah. it's also just to show that like bendu is aware he's aware of all of it right and uh, and and that's because he is connected to both the dark side and the light side like he says he's the one in the middle right so yeah um this is an interesting turn of events for him i think um to see a Mandalorian to see this non-Jedi um, sort of being trained in the ways of the Force in a certain aspect, um, even though she's not a Force user herself, right? So, so mm-hmm. I just I just think that 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 he's just there to sort of point out like he is there, he is around, he's always around. We just might not notice it. Um, yeah, yeah. I. Uh... As far as Sabine and the Darksaber and responsibilities, yeah, I think, um, I don't think she's gonna actually leave the crew right now. I think she's gonna be yeah. there for a while. I think she's going to, like you said, obviously confront her family um, and somehow win them over and possibly that family and a lot of men, Lawrence, are gonna come to her cause with yeah. with the with the crew. And I don't think she's leaving, at least not yet. Um, there might be something more important for him to, for her to do later on, but at this point, I think she'll stay with the crew, but just garner more Mandalorians to their cause, like you said, Mike, and have this big, massive battle on Adelon. I think is is what we're like you said, what, what what's coming up. Uh, as far as the Bendu, I think we are meant to glean something from that appearance. Like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, the Bendu's there. There's Sabine. Uh, there's Ezra. There's Kanan. Is she, you know, does does the Bendu sense something in her? Uh, you know, he's he's in the middle. So, but either way, does he does he uh, sense something with Sabine? You know, is she force sensitive? And I think they're trying to get us to talk about that and to think about that. And and again, it goes back to. It sounds like we're going to find out at least who her who her mother is. Mm. Um, and until we know exactly where she came from, I, again we know that the force kind of resides in everybody. It's just, are they able to tap yeah. into it and use it? Um, 
I think they are maybe giving us a little hint. Maybe, maybe there's a possibility. Let's just say that there is a possibility that she could be force sensitive, and we'll go from there. And the the reveal of the Bendu being around and listening um, could be a clue to that. Or, like you said, Mike, it could be just like, hey, they're on Adelon. Uh, he's he's always there. He's always listening, and that's just like, oh, he's there. So um, that's a tough one. Tough one, Kim, to figure out. Uh, where where they're going with that but there's a couple yeah. couple different areas you know it's just what do you think so um so good stuff man thank you all for uh writing in and there was actually a lot more uh emails that we just as a matter of time we couldn't get to so i'm thinking mike we might get to them probably in the maybe in the next episode or uh, we'll try to get to more yeah. of those but continue to send those in we love hearing from you guys and we will respond to those um most likely on the on the next episode so thank you all for writing in so yeah totally. other than that mike um next time on star wars rebels it is called legacy of mandalore it's coming out february 18th like we mentioned earlier and uh, hoping to get her family to help the rebels sabine returns home with kanan and ezra and finds herself embroiled in her family's power struggle uh for mandalore check this clip out I see them! Didn't you tell them who you were? That's probably why they're shooting at us. So, Mike, this, uh... But when I did! Oh, hold on one sec. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Um, this particular, uh, clip... Yeah, uh, if I remember right, features her. It looks like they're getting ready to um, approach her family, and they're getting yeah. some resistance. But um, yeah, like I said earlier, I, I kind of wish they would have done these back to back. But yeah, um, for sure, such it, as the, it is. Yeah, the break is a little odd. <laughs> yeah, it is a little odd. But but you know, good stuff coming, and Sabine finally confronting her family. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. And I think we're on, like I said earlier, on a path now from February 18th to. To the end of this thing um we're gonna get some really good stuff and we're gonna finally get to that uh like i said that snowball is getting bigger now we're rolling down this hill and we're gonna end up with that obi-wan maw confrontation man it's yeah. looking so good so uh thank everybody for <clears throat> for uh writing in and <clears throat> all you guys listening appreciate us uh, appreciate you guys making us part of your uh your rebels day so mike let them know where they can uh yeah find us right yeah, well, obviously, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and Matt is at the crankster. That is crankster with a K. Um, of course, you guys know we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, and you can head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other awesome podcasts in the network. Um, we've got a couple new ones that have just launched, the Epic Marvel Podcast, as well as uh, the Riverdale Gang Podcast. So um, check those out for sure. And, uh, and if you want to support us, you can do that uh, two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com and picking up some awesome merchandise. Uh, we got lots of cool stuff. I, I got some new Rebel stuff that, I, that I'm working on. It's not quite ready yet, but, but uh, there's a couple of great designs up there right now that you can choose from. Uh, and uh, I, 
that's at store.thundercrack.com. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, and chip in, support us, uh, and uh, and get cool rewards for doing so. So uh, we thank you uh, to everybody uh, that does support us, everybody that that, uh, that checks that stuff out, buys merch or, or pledges on Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I, I, I guess that is it. So we'll yes. be back in about a month's time for Legacy of Mandalore. Uh, thanks yes. for listening. We'll see you guys soon. See you soon.